Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week we're going to Vegas, y'all. We're going to Vegas. And it looks different than it should. I have never been to Vegas, now that I think of it. Well, that's upsetting. I've only recently fulfilled my ambition to see snow. Well, there's there's not a lot of snow in Vegas, no. even in the winter. <laughs> but um, if I was going to make a list of seeing Vegas, might not necessarily be one of the things. However... I've never actually seen it. I've seen a lot of it on television. Mm-hmm. It's on television a lot, including yeah. in this episode. Where we just saw Army of the Dead, right? And yep. that was also Vegas? Yep. Before we get into the episode, how was your week? It was filled with back pain. Oh, no. Otherwise, well. How was yours? Also that. Only oh my, my pain is more Twinsies. butt pain. Oh, well. It's still the back of my body. But this was... <laughs> Um, a training mistake, and it is getting better. There were periods of time when it was, it was my comical struggle to get out of bed in the morning. That went on for five or ten minutes. I know. Now it's better. Well, you also you got to remember, just like with getting out of the car, both feet on the ground. Yeah, I've learned. Don't twist. It's actually been really, really helpful because I've learned that I'm doing a lot of things with my back that I shouldn't have ever done. It's not that you. Well, no, I mean, getting up out mm-hmm. of bed, getting into a car, and I've noticed even with the chairs, I used to just sort of plop myself into them, and I realized that... You could be more deliberate with your, your stomach, body placement. Well, your stomach and your abdominal muscles Core. are taking a lot of the, the beating when you're doing stuff like that. And so if you're using your thighs and your leg muscles to sort of lower yourself into things, it's actually much better for you. Proponents of squats agree. Yes. And I can do squats all day long, so th- that's good for me. My knees just yelled at me. I didn't even do anything. I just, they heard the word squats, and all of a sudden I'm like, like no. They're going to dislocate before I get any ideas. You want to get into this episode? Okay, let's get into this episode. All right. We watched episode five, five. of the 2021, 2021 version of The Stand. Originally, it aired on January 14th of this year. Uh-huh. Uh, it was called Fear and Loathing in New Vegas. It's a play on words. It's a play on words. And uh, it's directed by Chris Fisher and written by Jill Killington and uh, I'm going to go with Nate Lee. Yes, so but like Kanate. Kanate. Kanate Lee. Uh, which I've never seen as a name, but you know. Jill Killington, it sounds like a comic book villain. Now, let's start. I don't know where to start with this episode. I don't know where to start with this episode. So, this episode is very porny and weird. This episode is porny and weird. This episode is divided into the stuff that's happening in Vegas, which we are seeing through Dana's eyes, basically. And what happens there should stay there. Forever. And then what's happening in Boulder, which we're seeing largely through Franny's POV. Okay. Uh, At the beginning of the episode, we get a little freaked out Harold redressing with Nadine. I don't know if they've changed from having blood on them or if they've just done something sexual. No, I think it's... There might have been some splatter from shooting. And they moved him, right? right? They move him. So what they do is they set him up in his amphitheater that he wanted to turn into a theater theater uh, with a gun in his hand to make it look like he shot himself. And Harold, at this point that we first see them, is freaking out and saying, what if people don't believe it? We should we should tell somebody we should, we should leave now. Right. Fuck it. We should just go. And Nadine is like... Shut the fuck up. Just do what the hell I told you. Uh, I hate you with every fiber of my being. Once she doesn't again, say that out loud. Right. It's in tone and inflection. Once again, I have no idea what the appeal for this what makes her appealer, is. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Amber Heard is. She's at least acting now. Right. The first film, she seemed to be sleepwalking. So, or first episode, she seemed to be sleepwalking. Yeah. So, so she's, like, shown up. Mm. But she's, like, instead of being on all downers, now she's on all uppers. And she's right. taking, like, bitchy pills every day. I don't know. She seems so deeply unpleasant. I, I don't see a reason why Harold mm-hmm. is so attracted to her. 
she mocks his... She's well, naughty. He's not she, even really that. He right, still wants Franny. It, I don't understand what's keeping them together. In this version of it, she's rude. She's abrasive. She's belittling. Yeah. Unless he's into sexual and humiliation. And so is he, right. though. He's all of yes, those things as in, well. Unless he's into sexual humiliation, I don't understand why he's attract, You know, supposed to be attracted to yeah, her. Yeah, no, I don't I know. I don't understand what keeps them together. Other than the fact that she will touch his dick. Ah... <laughs> uh, uh, Maybe that's it. Right. Um, that's a low bar, that guy. So, yes. So, the, the we see Stu and Larry find the body. Mm-hmm. Larry's like, mm, I don't know about this. Stu's like, what? <laughs> and Larry's like, so we just totally had a spy come and say that the, the dark man was coming, mm-hmm. and then this happens. That doesn't seem weird to you. And, and Stu's like... I'm surprised more people haven't killed themselves. <laughs> I'm just like, well, both, both sides have a good argument. It's true, but and I, here's the thing: uh-huh. I don't feel like Stu would think that. No. I feel like he's being given those lines to both sides an issue that doesn't really I feel need like to be both. Sides. This version of Stu mm-hmm. is not nearly as on the ball as the maybe other that's version right. Of Stu. And I think that unfortunately, or the version as written, frankly. Right. Well, yes, as written. Um, I think that in an attempt to make Franny a more active, alive character, yeah, they're giving the her writers more have of not um, gotten into. In the original miniseries, Franny was more decorative, and yes. in this one, she is. She's got way more agency. An it seems active, like. sometimes scheming, as we see in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, and very kind of cunning person who you wouldn't want to cross because she yeah. is able. And she's not being evil about it. She's yeah. doing it for the greater good. And Stu is kind of, up until this point, a little dense is yeah. the feeling I get. Yeah, I I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. He's much more passive uh, of a character. and Maybe maybe the, just because they hired human Labrador James maybe. Marsden to play well, him. I, I don't know. As the story goes along, if we're following the, the plot as I know it, Stu is going to have to do more active things. Yes. And so maybe we're going to a point where he's going to be pushed into action and the whole passive aspect of Stu at this point is reflecting his reluctance to be a leader, his reluctance yeah. to take action, take initiative. And they're, that, do, they're giving yeah. him a lot more aw shucks. Right. Than... And right now, Franny has turned into the, the choice part of the two. She's yes. the middle, you know, middle of the country Macbeth uh, mi- uh, let me she wasn't that. middle of the country, though. Um, Remember, she's from as far east as you could go. <laughs> oh, that's right. She's from Maine. I Maine. thought she was, but he's from Texas. He is from Texas, yeah. But I, I had the impression that she's kind of like, uh, I was going to say the middle America, Macbeth, uh, Mrs. Macbeth. But lady she's, Macbeth, yeah, I think, is but, the term you're looking for. I know, Lady <laughs> Macbeth. I was trying to find something homier than that. Mm. But, um, but, yeah, she's... Playing when you live in California, everything's in the middle of the country. That's true. Um, the you know east, right over there somewhere, <laughs> uh, where they get snow uh, more often. But she really is becoming again not evil, but she's just this much, has much more depth to her. She and she's capable of doing. Seems things. like a woman who has been through some shit mm-hmm. and has learned from said shit. Well, yeah, even if we haven't really seen it, yes, right. But I think that we we get more of a sense of her than we did before. But Stu, as of right now, is just kind of as you said, he's content to sort of take a middle of the road path. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh. And that can change. So right. let's let's just talk about what happens in Boulder. Mm-hmm. That's an easy through line that we can follow, and then we'll go to Vegas because I have things to say about Vegas. Okay. Uh, so in back in Boulder, so um, they call when they find his body. They call Harold, and uh, he. I think he he doesn't ID the body. Of course, they know who it is, but right. he they want him to know because as far as anybody knows, he's his closest friend. Right. You know. That was the other thing. We didn't mention it last time, but they re- showed it in the replay where after Teddy gets shot, he goes, Hawk, run. Yeah. And it is so sad yes, because is. that is literally the last handout that mm. Harold is going to get um, to, or outstretched hand, not right. hand out, you know what I mean? Yeah, I to To get him to, you know, come away from the dark side and... uh 
Nope. That's what makes the relationship with him and um, her name is Nadine. Nadine. So bizarre because it's like, what are you being offered that means that you turn this down? Like actual yeah. genuine friendship and actual genuine community. Yeah. And so I think it was a weird directorial choice to go with really bitchy, angry Nadine. Yeah, I don't. As opposed to someone who. She should seem guarded. Right. And, you know. She should push when she needs to push, but the full-on attitude that she seems to have at all times with everyone is. That's the, what I we keep. I keep going back to a teacher, though. Right. A teacher. Well, uh, <laughs> I keep going back to Laura San Giacomo. Yeah. Whose way of doing it was to be so fragile that yes, it was you had the, the shrinking violence. Uh, yes, the, I and can't she, on my own, and I need you to right. protect me and to take care of and me. And I think and that, that also helps in having an actress who's barely five feet tall, is that That's she true. was this physically small but really voluptuous. So on the one hand, yes. there was like that weird combination that made it made her attractive on one level, and then she could sort of manipulate around. Yeah. Whereas Amber Heard's statuesque a character it just looks like she's going to beat up Harold all the time. That was the impression. I it got. does. It looks like she's going to deck him, right? Um, or <laughs> maybe just shoot him. Uh, but she and, and she, I, I, Amber Heard's cheekbones should have gotten a with mm-hmm. credit in this episode. Right. I don't know what's going on with her, but her she looked like she had maleficent cheekbones. Right? They looked like prosthetics. They weren't. They clearly weren't. Yeah. But it was really odd. I don't know what was you know. Our roommate said she thinks that. She may have been doing a number of drugs at this time. I don't know mm-hmm. Amber Heard's I life other than that, it but seems bad. The performance is so weirdly inconsistent. Yeah, that I I can't account for it. It's it's just sometimes I don't know if I prefer that she's uh, terrible so that I don't have to like praise a terrible human being. Mm-hmm. But at least it would maybe make this more enjoyable because I'm starting well, to I I'm I'm looking mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to watching the last four episodes. Right. But I'm also like, this is this ain't it, y'all. This, this well, there are actors it. that I personally don't like. I mean, for years I couldn't stand Ryan Reynolds' smirky. Yeah, running. and you still don't like the other Ryan Gosling. Gosling, who I have yet to see. Yeah, but after you know, you can see a performance and go, oh, he was really good in that. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you hate him. It just means that his on-screen persona, like Jim Carrey's, for yeah. a while was just so much. Yeah, I'm like, I, yeah I, can't. I can't watch Will Ferrell for more than twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it's very difficult for me. There's one movie I've watched of his that's all right. the way and through. I what, just am like, what you go over for that movie is that he toned down the persona. Right. Yes, precisely. Also, the, everybody hates that movie but me. But I don't care. I, I like that movie. Stranger Than Fiction is the movie yes. I'm talking about, y'all. I'm not trying to make it a puzzle. Um, what is she talking about? So they, they call uh, Harold in to let mm-hmm. him know, to to say sorry, you know, right. for your loss, right? Consul- condolences. And also to make him the head of the Night Watch. What? <laughs> what? That is a hell of a promotion. And uh, Harold's, like, floored because he was like, he thought, I'm sure he thought he was about to be busted. Right. Uh, so he leaves, uh, he goes to leave with his new promotion, and Franny stops him and says, I want you to come to dinner, um, come to the house, um, and I know you're not busy on Friday night or whatever it was, because I make the schedule for the right. night watch. And I'm like, bitch, just because he's not working doesn't mean he's not busy. That is so <laughs> that is rude. And uh, so she basically won't take no for an answer. And then we see her going to enlist Larry. Larry, Larry. This is Larry. The one weakness with the casting of Black Actor. Black in this Actor in this part. So she goes to Larry and says, I'm having Harold over on Friday night, and I need you to go to his house and search it. And Larry's like, Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. And she's like, Nope, I've got it planned out. He's got a walkie, so we're going to use a secret channel. I'm going to let you know when he gets to the house and when he's leaving, and you're going to go see what's up, because I don't trust him. I don't like him. And Larry doesn't trust him either. And Larry's like, I don't like this, but also I will do this. And I was like, and we were talking about it, because Larry is a black Mm. man. So now there's a white woman asking a black man to break into another dude's house. I I don't know (laughs) if I ever shared this story, but um, I remember being at the post office once. And I'm standing in a very long line at her post office. There's no one. The next post office is half a mile away across Lake Merritt. 
a mile, two miles away, more. Um, so this is our local post office, and it was always filled in the afternoon, and I had yeah. to do a, 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 a run an errand for my job, and so I was one of twenty people stuffed into the post office. And this woman comes in, a, a white woman, and she looks through the line and walks directly over to me and says, "I locked my keys in my car. Can you help me get in?" She. Wow. And I looked at her, and I looked around at all these white faces, and looked at her and said, ma'am, why do you think I know how to break into a car? And she looks at me and goes, oh, oh, oh. And then she covers her <laughs> face. But you really out. did do that, didn't you? You <laughs> right. need to leave yeah. immediately. And so she just sort of walked out, and everyone in line was I bet she at didn't me. even, co- I, I bet that wasn't even conscious. But wow. As much as I like the fact that we have a multiracial cast, it does... <laughs> What yeah, that's rough. Producers and directors have to remember it, is that it puts everything in a completely different context. There will be, up like that. yes, there will now be right. coloring to it these. It contextualizes op- yes. all of this. So when she's asking him to break, yeah, why you and we were talking about which person should go. So yeah. it's got to be one of the five, right? Because this is mm-hmm. like secret, right? And and Stu has to be at the dinner. Right. And Nick can't hear anything, right, so exactly. not an ideal person to spy. send in. When you need to be wary when somebody's coming mm-hmm. home or whatever, so he's got That's skills to say one of them. With him right? Yes. No. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. So then it was Glenn, and mm. I don't think Glenn would do this. <laughs> but I actually thought they might invite Glenn over to dinner right. because Glenn has a good rapport yes. with Harold, and I think it would be more comfortable. Like as Franny, mm. I would be more comfortable if Glenn was there along with Stu I- and Harold. Um, when Harold, we know, hates Stu because he's with Franny. Like, it's a mess. It's it's an right. awkward, Everything about, and uncomfortable I think situation. This episode dramatically had a lot going for it. It did. Because that dinner scene yes. is really well done. Yes. There's so much icky tension. Yes. Here. So let's, uh, let's, so Larry agrees. Uh-huh. Uh, Reluctantly. And Harold goes over to the house. And they're having dinner. You know, Franny is able to call Larry, mm-hmm. and Larry gets gets up to go. Oh, here we go. There's a Nadine interruption. So Nadine, previously, that we after you know berating Harold and telling him to calm down, mm-hmm. it was not such a big deal to murder somebody in cold blood. It's totally fine. Even if uh, your friend, it's totally fine. It's fine. <laughs> and. She's at home and she misplaces Joe. I don't know. He leaves and she can't find him. Like you said, school teacher. She right. She I goes used to work outside. For the school system. We misplace children all the time. She goes outside and she asks a neighbor who's Asian. So mm. here's another. She doesn't even have a line. Uh, she points. <laughs> have you? And she says, uh, "Have you seen my?" And then she stops herself from saying her son. Uh and says a little boy like mm-hmm. she like right. it's a it's a deliberate you know choice here to do that and the lady points down the road and uh Nadine busts into a house says you can't just leave and go you know go somewhere else even yeah. if it's mother abigail's house okay so i thought mother abigail lived in that other house that was surrounded by people all of the time and Ray was her security. What house is this that she is? This Mother Abigail is here, and I presume that this is the house. But this, I don't think, is the house that Mother we had Abigail seen her in yeah. earlier. So, but maybe it's possible that she lives in a different house than the house that is publicly hers. Like she goes okay. there and receives visitors. And also, something tells me no one turns down Mother Abigail if she wants to go visit your house. I maybe I don't know, but like. They remember at the beginning when Larry had come in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mother Abigail's house was well known to everybody. There were right. people parked all around it, like well, set like up camp and things like this. And then, yeah, was. she would come out onto the porch, and Ray was there with her gun. Like, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Right. And in this case, Nadine just walks and just barges in. Nobody stops right. her. And of all the people in this town, she's one of two that you don't really want barging in yeah. on Mother Abigail. But Joe is there, and he's tinkling the piano. He's playing piano, and uh, and there's a brief conversation between the three, well, the two of them, because Mother Abigail says, you know, it's just nice to ha- talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Nadine's like, he's talking to you? Because, of course, Joe, 
does not speak. Right. <laughs> and she says, well, we hadn't gotten that far yet. Uh, but we communicate in other ways. And Nadine We're asks. Shining together. Yeah, sort of. Um, or, yeah, that's probably exactly it, actually. Nadine asks if she knows his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, Abigail says they hadn't gotten that far yet. Uh, there's a brief conversation about pianos. And then uh, Abigail does her best to turn Nadine. It's it's not super strong or heartfelt, but um, she says... She makes an effort. She says, basically, I commend your choice to take care of him. Or or you're doing a great job with him, even though he's not your blood, I think, is, is something along those lines, which is a little bit like... Yeah, there are all kinds of families, you know, but um, she, you know, and Nadine says, it's not like I had a choice. And of course she has had, of course she has a choice. It may seem like when you see a child alone, Mm -hmm. terrified, that you don't uh, just walk, walk on by, but I guarantee you, people did. could. It seems like so, but but she says it's not like I had a choice, and, and Abigail once again over and over is like you absolutely. We all have a choice. You have a choice. You had a choice. You did not have to keep him safe and keep him comfortable, but you chose to do that. And this apparently is a Don breaks on Marblehead from Nadine, where she's like, oh, I have choice. It, well, she has been groomed since she was twelve, right. so that's not great. I think that's the only. Excuse you really get for her character, yeah, is the fact that she has been groomed and so she yeah. doesn't know how to break that conditioning, yeah. And then there is this break in logic that the other one had to, mm-hmm. but then the next, as Larry is going, he gets the all clear from Franny go, go, go. He opens his door, and Nadine is standing there and she kisses him, and then she like is trying to do more right. and he like stop he's like stops her and then she's super aggressive very unattractive and it's basically like uh i just want you to f- shut up and fuck me i don't want to talk about it i don't just want you to fuck me and he's like you don't talk like that and i'm like maybe she does <laughs> and uh is like i don't this is uncomfortable to me right now and nadine is like this is my only choice so the other one does the same thing. So the the idea here, of course, is Nadine. The reason that Flag wants Nadine as his queen and his wife, because she is a virgin. So she just has some sex. Presumably, <laughs> Flag will not want her anymore, and she sees Larry as her only option. No, that is me. ridiculous. As a as a modern woman. As a modern woman, yes. In the twenty first century, I is that when we are? Uh, it feels like the Stone Age, but mm-hmm. uh, given the attitudes that some people are still exhibiting, mm-hmm. but um, as a woman in the 21st century, yes. an intelligent woman, well, uh, full of refinements and grace, yes. could you please inform me what it feels like to see this character that's out of step with our time? In uh, When was the book written? 1970? I am not a robot. Hey guys, has Google Chrome been testing your robot status lately? Because it stresses me out every time it happens. I think it just believes I'm a robot and that's it go. 1978. October 3rd, 1978. This book is older. So 1978. All right. Given that period of time and that time frame, okay. you could probably still accept that idea that this woman's value to her mind is based on her virginity and her beauty. But... But is it hard to take now, in 2021? Well, but here's the thing, though. Okay. Specifically in this one, Mm -hmm. she's been groomed by a man who's determined that her worth is those things. Right. I don't know that barring the... I don't think in... the the, When Laura Sangiacomo played Mm -hmm. her, I do not think she put value on her virginity. I just don't think she'd lost her virginity. It is possible to get to 30 and not lose, and not have sex. I mean, dudes can be gross. (laughs) Yes. I've heard. 
Um, I am unaggressive. So I and and it's never it never appears to me the mm-hmm. way that Giacomo is playing it. San Giacomo, I guess, is playing mm-hmm. it. That she's precious about her virginity. Right. She just happens to still have yeah, it, she, and so is a suitable vessel for. She also played, and this is something that I feel is missing at times with this one. She also played it on this edge of hysteria, where you can see her mm-hmm. as a person who suddenly becomes really guarded about. Just anything, you know, not just anything. I suppose virginity is a great deal, but it's, you could, y'all, you could, it is not. No, but I mean, <laughs> it's not even you a could real see thing. See her as a person who is also, you know, locked in a hotel room somewhere for five days, refusing to speak to people, or you know, that's she played it on the edge of what? of anxiety and hysteria to where you could see that. Um, whereas I, because I can't get a read on what yeah Amber Heard is doing. It makes it difficult to... Which I think is one of the reasons right. maybe... Well, I mean, they I'm sure they didn't put this in after the fact, but mm-hmm. this that's why the grooming makes a little bit more sense right. to me. If she was told from the time she was 12, yes. in her, every dream that she had, that he was hers, and that she couldn't... Well, and this is a complete inversion of the Christmas story. Sure. Right. God, uh, the angel appears to Mary, and she has to give her consent to give birth. There's no kind of violation going on. There is going to be in this case, but um, yeah, unless they change that too, I can't imagine they'll take well, a rape scene out of this we thing. Now, when we get to uh, Vegas, we'll we'll talk more about that too. If they yeah. change something really significant, yeah, huge things, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's made to be that she's this virgin who's going to be impregnated and give birth. This this thing that it, yeah. Is going to carry this because arm. what is a queen for? Right to birth the next king. Right. That's right. Like that is the that is sort of the framework of the queen. Right in this. And in I this suppose case. we're supposed to believe that she also has this idea about being queen. I don't. I, yes, I, I, maybe I don't, like it's I said, unclear. So much of it I'm not getting from either the performance or, or the, the writing, writing is yeah. not helping her. It's, yeah. But I mean, just seeing that anachronism. Oh, she's virginal and beautiful. Therefore, she has this sort of value. Yeah. Um I'm wondering how that affects you now in this day and age. It I because like I said, because mm-hmm. she was groomed and right. this is her you know, I think it's unlikely that someone who looks and acts the way that Nadine looks and acts right. would be a virgin at this stage in her life. Acts is but also more than like I th- I actually think that sh- it should be a younger woman. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like Laura Sangiacomo was in her early thirties, I right. believe. Uh, Amber Heard, I believe, is also in her early 30s. I would kind of like this character, and I feel like it would be more fitting with this, uh-huh. to be 17. Right. That's interesting, yeah. To be extremely young, so that we believe the virginity aspect, and also makes it a little bit more off Because Larry's just like, this feels weird and I'm not going to do it. And so she feels like, well, he's her only chance. Y'all. She could have sex with Harold right the fuck now. I don't. What what logic I'm are not you sure talking she'd about? Want to, but no, but if all yes. you want to do is stop being a virgin, right. literally any dick will do. I I don't understand mm-hmm. what why she's just decided it's Larry or no one or bust or she could. Teddy was into her. Yeah, you could have just had sex with Teddy instead of shooting him. I'm sure just saying. Any number of men just, there just, would have taken her out from the software. But. And, and I don't know if we're supposed to believe that this conversation with Mother Abigail of just her using the word choice four times uh-huh. made Nadine realize, oh, I do have a choice. I, I don't... It's a, it's it's odd. I should say, uh, this is the first episode that we have not had any flashbacks. Oh, we get a lot of stuff okay. at the beginning of previously on because they're going to show you some characters right. that you may have forgotten. But there are no flashbacks in this one. We are 100% in, you know, the end times instead of the before times. So Larry ends up bouncing, leaving Nadine to her wicked ways. Like I said, Harold is right down the street. Well, no, he isn't. Harold is busy the night, turns out. <laughs> um, and Larry goes over to Harold's house. Uh-huh. He does break in. He doesn't really find anything. 
Well, there, he finds a locked room. Oh, that's right. And that's what sets him off is the fact that he's suspicious of why you would lock the basement. Why you'd lock the basement, right? Because that's a, a well known, as we know from Mr. Mercedes, where everyone keeps their manifestos. And that's their, right. It's our right. masturbation hut. Right. Well, that's gross, but probably Sorry. true. <laughs> and uh, and he is there rifling through. Um, I don't know. I guess. Nadine was there longer than we think because it seems like there. So Harold gets there. He brings some wine with him because apparently Mm -hmm. the owners of his house had a collection. So he's got this. He's like, I don't know if it's good, but it's here. So they all are sitting and eating. And there is this story that Harold decides to tell about this day where he was getting beat up Mm -hmm. and picked on at an um, at an amusement park. And he went into, like, the general store of the amusement park or whatever. Um, and then Franny comes in and, like, bats her eyelashes at the... T- at the it involved in the ice cream, didn't it? Yeah, at the, at the guy uh-huh. behind the ice cream counter and gets two free ice cream cones. And she gives one of them to him to make him feel better or whatever. Uh-huh. And if Franny's like, okay. Like, she's, like, nodding along when she's like, this is... Right. Like, I don't... Okay, uh, yeah, I don't remember this, but sure, this is the story you're telling. And then Harold goes, that didn't happen. You've never given anything to me. Like, he gets real... Yeah, there's a lot of... Aggressive? That scene, all the dinner scene is really well played because it's... It's cringeworthy in a way that reminds me of, like, watching a Harold Pinter play. Mm-hmm. Where these people just say these sort of loaded sentences and drop them, and it mm-hmm. makes everyone uncomfortable. And everybody's sure got, why. like, an extra big smile that they yeah. don't fucking buy, and uh, nobody else is buying either. Yeah. And because they all know that, they're making them even bigger. Right. And, like, laughing over loud. And, and just... the more uncomfortable they get. It's, and so it was really, it's yeah. really well played. Yeah. Uh, and at uh, at the end of the story, Stu gets a call on the walkie, and there's some sort of emergency, and he's walking. He's in. The, he goes into the other room and is trying to walk whoever it is through it. I, I didn't catch. Was that that when they lost Mother Abigail? Is that what it is? Oh, good lord! Now I can't remember. Yeah, maybe because the other thing with Mother Abigail that we see is her praying because she finds out that they sent spies mm-hmm. against her explicit instructions to do, you know, right. nothing. Uh, and she prays to God, um, who has not been speaking to her apparently. And she, you know, apologizes for, she says, I don't know what I did to offend you, but I am truly sorry. And I'm like, I'm of the school of if you don't know what you're apologizing for, you're not they're really apologizing. Yeah. I lost a friend of it over it, which sucks, but something happened in a time that I do not remember, and they would not tell me what it was, and I could not apologize because I had yeah. zero memory of the events, and I was literally like, tell me what the fuck I did, <laughs> and I am sure I am sorry, but I can't tell you that I'm sorry because I don't know what I did, uh, and it, yeah, so... That's just, that's apparently, yeah. that's a hill I die on. And uh, Ray goes to look for her and can't find her. And I think that's who's ca- who's called okay. Stu on the walkie. And as Stu is taking this call, uh, Harold's like, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce. This was, this was real. And this was fun, but this was not real fun. And uh, Freddie's like, oh, no, you don't have to go. The night is young. And they're like, like. Creepy smiling at each other. Yes. <laughs> it's like nobody is enjoying this. And uh, Harold goes, and Stu is but still on the walkie. Before he leaves, what does he do? Oh, he goes upstairs. He does. He goes upstairs, and he. We don't see. Do we see what? We don't see at that point see, what he does. You know, what he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he goes upstairs. Don't let Harold go anywhere in your home. No. Uh, so Fran, um, goes to. Walkie Larry and Stu is still on the walkie, and he's like, She's like, I can't wait any longer. And she hangs up on whoever he's talking to and calls Larry and is like, You gotta get out of there now. And of course, he's Larry's upstairs in the dark and he's looking at a chess set and he knocks over the pieces right as Harold is coming in the door and he wants to fix it 
Which was the dumbest move. Because and I, yeah, I'm like, your whole person in this room is going to be a giveaway way faster than those fallen chess pieces are. Like, get the fuck out. And what I don't even remember how that resolves. How does that resolve? Uh Harold comes upstairs, finds the chess pieces around the places he left them, and mm. then checks his security cameras. Oh. Which he has everywhere. And he's been putting these cameras all sorts of places. I didn't realize that he he was... So he knows that he knows. Larry was in the house, but he also and knows some other things. overjoyed that they he's being taken seriously on any level. I guess that's what it is. It's the same reason. Although, I mean, dude. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. I don't know he's what he, what he expects. Um... But the other places that he's put security cameras are in Stu and Fran's bedroom. So he goes and watches them have sex. That's not cute. I don't believe, I promise you, in fact, that was not in the original text because it was 1978. And that and nanny cams did not exist. Uh, So that's a pretty, that's a real... Mr. Mercedes twist right. we got real quick there. And that's basically the Boulder storyline. Mother Abigail's missing. Harold knows everybody's doing some things. Nadine won't have sex with anyone but Larry, and Larry has decided not to have sex with Nadine, even though I think he wants to. All right, let's talk about Vegas. 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 So, in, I'm going to read actually from the wiki. Okay. Las Vegas, Nevada. This is from the Stephen King wiki. I wanted to find actual texts, but the book is very long, and I didn't want to be reading for days and days and days. Rioting, looting, and vigilantism swept Las Vegas as the the superflu's uncontrollable outbreak led to the total collapse of civilization. After a few weeks, almost everyone in the city was dead. Randall Flagg, the dork man or the walking dude, appeared there and began summoning followers to him. People attracted to power or to law and order even at a steep price were common among those who answered Flag's call. As more survivors made their way to the city, Las Vegas cleaned up. Electrical power was restored. Telephone lines were returned to minimal working order. And he launched a sweeping list of public works programs. He created an extremely strict code of laws that controlled all aspects of the life in Las Vegas. Free speech, something taken for granted under the old United States, vanished entirely, and the use of recreational drugs of any kind was banned. Uh, His draconian laws ordered that many violations be punished by death, including recreational drug use that meant death by a public crucifixion. In the book, Las Vegas explicitly becomes the antithesis of Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. There is no partying. We do not see any sex of any kind. We see a bunch of people working. That's about it. There are work crews literally everywhere just getting shit together. Now, we start this episode with a work crew. Mm -hmm. It's Dana working at the Hoover Dam, which leads to a very upsetting phrase that bothered me later. Uh, And she is interrupted in her work by one Miss Julie Lowry. Now, in the the previous miniseries, uh, Julie Lowry was not in this role. Mm -hmm. Uh, You saw her once in Vegas, but it was not as attached to Lloyd. Uh, In this one... Right, it was was Dana who's... Lloyd's girlfriend here right. is Julie, and you only really see her, I think, after... You see her in a couple of scenes. Well, let me... Right. Yeah. But, so so Julie shows yeah. up, and mm-hmm. she is as well-kept as ever. <laughs> she's clean. Mm-hmm. She's clearly not working. Uh, she wants to talk to Dana. She, first of all, she's like, are you happy under here with the mole people? Okay, so it sounds like we're underground, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the opening ep- scene of right. the episode. And, you know, Dana's like, no, I don't mind it. And and uh, Julie asks her why she's been asking about Flag. And apparently, <laughs> Dana's not subtle in her, hey, where's Randall Flag? Mr. Flag, I'd love to see Mr. Flag. Is there a way to meet Mr. Flag? She's got her, <laughs> she's like talking to everybody. And she has gotten the attention of, and then Julie basically introduces Lloyd. Lloyd has cleaned up quite a bit. 
Uh, for a second, I thought he had come out. He is very flamboyant right. in this role. It's an interesting take. Oh, he looks like a pimp from Starsky and Hutch. He That's does. Like he's dressed like a pimp. Right. He is. Uh, he's very uh, ebullient in his mm-hmm. in his voice and his uh, mannerisms. But everybody knows him as the right hand man to Mister Flag, and so he's asking Dana questions and. Um, and then it's like, well, you're, you're going to come, you're going to come up to the penthouse or whatever. You're going to come up to to the, to the top floors or whatever. And so they take her away from work. Oh, and that's, there's a pan out of where they are. Mm -hmm. And that's when you see that they're inside the Hoover Dam, which is in no way underground. (laughs) I was like. There are hardly mole people just because they're not outside right now. Like, geez. Uh. And then, and then we see the city, and the city is a drug-fueled fuck fest and fight party or fight club. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's the thing. So one of the scenes that we see is um, a young woman or a, a, a woman who is like HR. She's trying to take a new arrival's information so that she can place him, place a job. Right. And it's Tom. We see it's Tom Cohen. So she's like, what are your skills? And he just starts with his right. pre-prepared speech again. And she's like, she won't let him finish. She won't, you know, she won't engage with him. Well, this is the survivor who used to work at the DMV. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Right. And uh, she tries to, like, foist him off. Mm-hmm. And one of the supervisors, a big dude, comes in and is like, Mr. Flag says, anybody who comes here, regardless of like irregardless right Right. or regardless of anything is a citizen so you better find him some work and so she sends him to the fight pits the what did she what did she call it like the gladiator Mm -hmm. uh floor or something and so that's what she sent him i thought she was sending him to be a fighter that's not what she's well it would make sense he's huge yes but also that's Mm, that would be fucking horrible so then we see dana She's been given a shiny new outfit. No, wait. We she goes back to their room with them, right? Yeah. And is she is given a shiny new outfit, but it is much uh, skimpier than the one she's wearing later. Uh, she comes out in lingerie. Julie's in lingerie. Lloyd is undressed. They're drinking heavily. There's a pile of cocaine next right. to the bed. There's a back and forth of. Julie basically berating Lloyd into not being able to keep it up, and then, well, he's in the background as the, as she and Dana make out, saying stupid shit like, oh, "Are you guys gonna kiss?" And I'm just like, "Are you twelve? What's going on?" Also, really, in the last scene, thought you were gay, so this is very confusing. Well, it's I felt like. Julie deliberately provokes him by invoking Flag's name to where he yeah. suddenly becomes impotent. And that's really what she wanted to do, which is to basically get coked up and go shopping. Go shopping, coked up, go shop, maybe make out with Dana. She mm-hmm. seems into that. Dana looks go- great in the outfit that they gave I'm her. going to refrain from comment because I'm a middle-aged man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's, they're, they're making out or whatever, and Dana's you know taking it all in and yeah, uh, Julie says Mr. Flag's name enough that she's like, you need to calm down because when you're stressed, he doesn't like yeah. you and you need to stay on his good side. So she knows that at least. Um, but then she won't let him calm down through any sexual means because, yeah, she just keeps going, oh, he doesn't like when I say Mr. Flag yeah, <laughs> like, right in his face. He's a... <laughs> She the, might as well have dick punched him every time he said it to. Female characters um, really want to emasculate these dudes, right? That's kind of the impression I got. It's like, wow, that's and uh, so he rough. goes away to try and work himself up, and you know she's talking to Dana and doing more coke, and then she's and she's yelling. So is this going to happen or what? And he's like, yeah, it's totally going to happen. <laughs> and then they keep talking, and then 
So seriously, is this going to happen? Because if I was, I was thinking if this isn't going to happen, maybe we could just go shopping. And he, he like gets up and comes over and he's like, this ain't going to happen. Let's go shopping. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like anybody's into the sex part of whatever this thing is. It's just like they decided, oh, sex has to be a thing that we do. So, but neither of them is like, let's do it. There's a very adolescent element of, um, the way that they're treating this whole thing. Right. Yeah. And Lloyd, too. Lloyd does seem like a child. Yeah. Like, maybe more of a child than Tom does. He, so they go, yes, they they parade out. So she's, they're both in dresses. He's back in another pimp suit. Mm-hmm. I think a different one. And they're going to go down to the promenade. And they are in, then we see the gladiator pits. They're in the shopping promenade of one of the hotels on mm-hmm. the Strip. I've only ever been to the one that, that's in pa- the Paris and the Venetian, and I don't think it was either of those. But which one it was, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. But it's this, like, open... It's almost like the Westfield Mall, excuse me, in Sacramento, or in San Francisco, too, where there's, like, these... This, like, middle open area, yeah. atrium area, and then, you know, stores and rooms and restaurants and clubs and whatever on various levels. Yeah. In the bottom level, there's just men beating the shit out of each other. And Tom is there. He's cleaning up parts. He's got a little hairnet on. He's got a little apron on. And he's just walking around (laughs) with, like, a cart cleaning up blood and muck and people right. and it's gross and Dana sees him now Dana knows that, that there were probably other people but she didn't know who and she um, first they are gonna Flag is gonna Mr. Flag is gonna speak there's a master of ceremonies that comes out and um, she says you know Mr. Flag is gonna speak but also we have a special guest Lloyd Henry this has joined us here tonight or whatever, and everybody cheers. Now, when I say everybody cheers, not everybody cheers, because a lot of people have other people in their mouths, because there is sex going on everywhere. Well, it's is, like, a, one of the things is orgy, apparently. Right. There's a couple of things in the orgy scene that caught my attention. Although there's so much orgying going on. There's a lot going on. There, uh, there used to be a comment that our roommate made years ago when I was watching uh, the movie Scent, I think, where every orgy scene that you see is structured by a stage manager who's heterosexual because you always see men and women together. Yeah. Or women and women together, but never two men. That happens here. Yes, there is a male-on-male um, male, couple in the background. But of one what? of the things that was really ridiculous is a woman who's, of course, with enormous bosoms, who is... I don't think they were that big. I think they were just mushed. Banged <laughs> against a glass. Yeah. And I'm like... That on look... an elevator. An elevator. One of those elevators. Those right. glass Which elevators. She's, it... like, pressed tits first into right. the glass. And yeah. they just... It's... It's like... That doesn't look at all That's not fun. It That's just not looks fun. like people in pain. I felt sorry for the poor actors who had yeah, to do this. So, yeah, so there are people having sex all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's drugs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Alcohol flowing everywhere. There's violence underneath. And I'm like, this is... Well, first of all, there, there's clearly two classes here. Mm-hmm. There are the people who are taking part in these things. Right. And the people who are working at the dam... Keeping the electricity on, like right. so that it's clear that they have. Well, people cleaning up the bodies. I mean, that must yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, so do they have a cycle? So everybody's working. So mm. they work hard to play hard, if you will, or are they? But it's mm, Julie Lowry doesn't fucking do anything. Right. So there is a class system very deliberately in this one, and that is not the case in the book mm. or in the previous thing. Um, now. There's a little bit of logic to some of this. Uh, I don't know if you're going to attract fiends to come to the bad side, the presumed bad side mm-hmm. of the face-off at the end of the world if you make them go to Las Vegas under a strict law and order mm-hmm. uh, situation. Like... 
to have no outlet at all when you're right. in Vegas surrounded by, like, why come to Vegas then? Right. It's a little bit weird. Or as someone pointed out, you could go to Salt Lake City. And go to Salt Lake thing. City. Yeah. Yes, there are nicer places that aren't set up for sin. Right. So if you're not fixing to sin, and I, even having like, if you do well, you get to do these things mm-hmm. and do well by whatever measure I'm giving you right. know you. Um, that that seems like this seems very odd. Like I don't. I guess they see Flag then as a, a benevolent leader. So he's ruling with love and not fear. Not very Machiavellian of him. <laughs> it doesn't make weird sense. Weird choices made in this version that I'm not completely yeah, This is with. like, in no way, an adaptation. Mm-hmm. This this version of Randall Flagg's... I would say both Randall Flagg, although he, some of the things he does, he is really channeling Jeremy Sheridan in this, mm-hmm. especially the inflections he gives some of right. his lines in this one. Um, but he, um, just Vegas and flag are wholly creations of the writers of this. Right. They're not adapted. Flag is barely in this. Flag is barely in this. His appearance where he... It's so, it's so strange to me. He, he plays, he plays a villain, arguably, in True Blood. Right. And he does it really well. And he plays a villain in Big Little Lies, and he does it really well. And they are not allowing him to play a villain in this, and it's baffling to me. I I think that um, we were complaining early on that Mother Abigail and Flag were not getting a lot of attention. Mother Abigail is getting more attention this one. Yeah. But Randall Flag is just a cipher. It's another one where it's because of the reading and the direction... I and I don't. I know that this actor is capable of a much better performance. Yeah, that's the thing. You using, hired him, and you've seen what he can do in this. Yeah, Let him do that. Using his physicality is very tall. Mm-hmm. Using all of that to his advantage. And, and he's very attractive. Like he's charming, and that can be scary. And he did that really well, right. especially in True Blood. And this is like. He's yeah. I'm not sure, uh, and that was uh, something that we also had with our roommate who was watching it. It's like she wants him to be Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, who, and I was like, well, that's because he was Matthew McConaughey in the Dark right, Tower, and I she's like, oh right. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey has a good way of leaning. He, that into was this. A, that was one of my favorite things about the Dark Tower right. series or, or, or um, movie because there's a was certain, that casting. I was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> there's a certain amount of smartiness to him, there, and a little bit of like. I'm I'm just chill. Right. Until I'm fucking not. Right, exactly. Right? Like and I think that that can be really scary. And I think Skarsgård mm. can do yeah. all of that. And they're just not that's not the the vibe that the writers want and the director wants. So that's I mean I I put it on them more than I put it on mm. him because we know what he can do. I think he's being prevented from doing it. Uh And he makes a little um speech on the right like the billboard or whatever and Lloyd like you know finger guns the crowd or whatever like he's he's such an idiot right. it's crazy and then uh they send Dana up to flag it's time to meet the man she goes up to meet flag wait there's something that happened before that oh yeah important. what's that Julie points out Oh yes, um, Tom. Tom cleaning up and says, "I saw him right. I, with a with a a mute or a mute mute." Is mm-hmm. that what he said? She's oh dumb. No, right. that's the word she said. A couple of dummies, right? One was actually dumb, and one was him. And yeah, Dana goes down, asks to speak to the to, to Tom, mm-hmm. and uh, he is told, you know, don't even bother. But she tries to persist and yeah. she has a little piece of paper folded up and I'm like, oh she doesn't know Tom at all. Right, exactly. Uh so he he tries to she says, you know, I lost my bracelet. It's really important. It was my mother's mother. Mo- yeah, she says mother she's real trying slowly. To stress grandmother, she's trying and to then and it belongs to her mother. Right. 
And so she, yeah, she, so she's stressing, but he's not like, it's not, he's like, Oh, family heirlooms. That's important or whatever. Like he, he's not following. And she goes to hand him a note and I'm like, does she get it to him? I don't. She puts it in the palm of his hand and walks away. That's the best that she can do. And then he's like, wait, like he wants to give it back to her. And she's just like, nope, that's it. And he can't read it. And And he can't read it. Run. Run. Okay. And he's like, M-O-O-N, that spells, and he can't read what it says. Right. Um, so his fate is left in, in uh, well, in peril. Because what Dana does is winds up carrying out a yes. mission. Yes, which, yes. So she goes up to Flag's room, and it it looks exactly, I'm like, I, it might have been the same, the same room. Because uh, it's, it's a weird round yeah. room, right? And uh, basically, he comes in and he's like, Dana Jurgens, and uh, I need to know who the third spy is. <laughs> like, I've been watching you since Boulder, basically since you left Boulder. I know the old judge is mm-hmm. on the outskirts of town. You're staggering your entrances. That's smart. But I don't know who the third one is. When I think about him, all I can see is the moon. <laughs> Dana's like, fuck you, I'm not going to tell you. And... Uh, there's not very much back and forth. I think there's less in this one than there yeah. was in the previous one. And she cuts her throat. Oh, she tries to stab him. He falls to the ground. He does a pretty good playing possum. But then, mm-hmm. oh, no, he is not I think dead. I like this version better than the... Her turning death, her... In the other one. Because he turns her knife into like a snake A banana or something, or something silly. Oh, is, is it a banana? Th- that was one of the things I didn't like about this one. The winking smiley face button he has and all of that. It didn't... It reads sort of put on. It doesn't read kind of genuinely creepy. Right. And that Yeah, I think that's the, a thing that comes across better on the right. page than it does in real life. And I feel like it takes an editor and a director to see it yeah. and go, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, like we've said, they're missing a lot here. They're missing a lot of opportunities to, to actually just do a, a great job. But um, but she does try to kill him, and that scene has some dramatic tension to it. Because she thinks she does it. Yeah. She doesn't do it, though. No, she doesn't. doesn't so then, like, without any fanfare at all, she cuts her throat. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't, he's not, I don't, he doesn't seem as mad as, as uh, Sheridan seemed Mm-mm. in the... He doesn't throw a temper tantrum. He doesn't. So he's a little bit more measured, which is good, because his right-hand man, I don't know if tantrum is the word, but... He doesn't seem up to up to this, anything really, uh, and if he's coked up all the time, I I don't wonder why. And that's that's pretty much it. Basically, it. Yeah, because we we did uh, Boulder first. Yeah. So Boulder. Yeah. Really so was it ends there. on uh, us not knowing where Mother Abigail. Well, I think it might end. Does it end on Harold seeing? Yes, it ends on Harold seeing the uh, Harold watching them. And have he's sex. done something in um, in Fred and Stu's house. Yeah, he put the nanny cam. We yeah, yeah we we mentioned it. Yeah, so he's watching them have sex, very much like Mister Mercedes, and that is where this episode ends. We have. Four episodes left. We are officially half over. Mm-hmm. Um, the next episode is episode six, The Vigil, where I've spoiled myself a skosh. Uh, the one thing I was surprised was we haven't seen the trash can man yet. Then apparently we will be seeing him in the next episode. So, spoiler alert. Trash can man's coming. Do you know who plays him? There were all these rumors about mm-hmm. who was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mar- Man- Marilyn Manson was uh, rumored uh, to uh, to have signed a contract to do it, but did not do it. Right. I believe it is Ezra Miller. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, I don't know if that is still the case. Mm-hmm. That is what I had heard. It was they kept that particular part very tightly under wraps. They didn't want people to know until he showed up, and we believe he is showing up next time. So the vigil. Episode 6. But until then, do you have anything you want to recommend? Uh, yes, I do. I uh, infrequently go into Netflix or Hulu blind and pick a movie. Oh, yeah, you've been hitting some good ones lately, though, it seems like. And I just this weekend saw a movie called The Block Island Sound. And it I can't tell you much about the movie. 
Yeah, it's one because of those. It would it's a slow burn and there's lots of little details to it that accumulate as the story goes along. And what I enjoyed about it is that I couldn't predict until the last third what direction the film was taking. Um and I like that. Like, are we doing body horror? No, that doesn't seem to be it. What kind of story are we telling? And it does build up to this really strange climax that is um, helped along by some really good performances, too, by actors I'm not really familiar with. Mm-hmm. But they just put a lot into it. There's a lot of beautiful cinematography. Uh, there's a lot of realistic-feeling characters, and their reactions feel like they're not happening just to move the plot along. Right. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's one of those films that if I tell too much, then uh, you just... It's ruined. Right. So <laughs> I don't want to ruin it's it. It's currently on Netflix, and I recommend it. It's really interesting, and but it's it's going to be... It's very deliberately paced. Ah, uh, we know what that in means. In that though. pace, you're getting a lot of clues, so you want to pay attention to the fact that in the end, it's like, oh, then this all makes sense. And there's one particular line in the story that almost seems like it's casually said until you realize, oh, this was the entire point of the film. So it's one of those things. Um, but anyhow, do you have something you want to recommend? I don't know. I'm going to say, mm-hmm. if you like uh, some nerdy shit, sometimes people like nerdy shit, uh, there is a website, nope, there is a YouTube channel called Cracking the Cryptic. Uh, it's literally a dude that solves Sudoku. <laughs> That's what it is. Really? Uh, I watched uh, several hours of that just today. Wow. Uh, when I woke up this morning, I watched what they call the movie, Cracking the Cryptic, the movie, part two, because it's an hour and a half long, and he solves one puzzle. And it's very satisfying. So what does this do for you? Oh, um, this morning it was doing, like, I was, like, getting my brain woken up. Like, as I'm watching him do Mm -hmm. it and I'm trying to solve it along with him, like, my brain was waking up instead of trying to go back to sleep. (laughs) Um, I like logic puzzles. And uh, this, specifically Simon, there's two guys on the channel, but I've only ever seen videos Mm. with Simon. He's... So he's got so much joy as he sees the way that these puzzles are constructed and the logic to them. And like when he, uh, (laughs) like I was texting my friend who had recommended one of these to me. I'm watching the first one. We're 22 minutes in. He hasn't solved any of it. But he is spending a lot of time picking highlighting colors and choosing very carefully what colors are going to be what. He's like, people like orange and blue, so I better use those. And then, like, three minutes later, he goes, hang on a minute. He's British. And I was, I just texted, he just said, hang on a minute. We might be having a breakthrough. <laughs> and it is, I mean, it's not, it's, it's entertainment. But it's not an action movie. Uh, but they're, yeah. I think that they're fun. And uh, when I just want like something to like not think overly hard on, it goes in the same category as like Project Runway. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> See, you're talking to a person who, at work, I get on the phone a lot during yeah. dispatches, right? Yeah. And it's just obnoxious because you're dealing with customers, some of whom are not quite well. Um, and you're talking to them. And I actually have on on my screen a couple of videos of Isayama Sensei doing Aikido. And his Aikido is really aggressive. So he's just hauling people off their feet and whipping them over his head and throwing them at it. It's like it's very calming to me. And so I can understand how something abstract can go, oh, that just hits the right spot of being pleasing and and kind of refreshing, and then I'm done, and somehow it all goes by faster. So, mm. if Sudoku is your thing, that's that's fine. 
Mine seems and to I'm not good at solving head. Sudoku. Maybe that's the other thing is I want to learn how to get good at solving them. Mm-hmm. So as I watch him do it, I can see the yeah. patterns and things. And I'm like, oh, hey. And then I put a puzzle in front of me and I'm like, I don't remember how to do any of this. I'm going to go watch him do it three or four more times. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, they're just, they're lovely guys. They, they're like world champion puzzle solvers. Oh, and also the one that I watched, the the one that was this morning, it was a 17-year-old who designed the puzzle. Uh, so, you know. That kind of uh, thinking always impresses me. Logical? Well, I can't do it mm. because of my issues. Yeah. I can't, you know, I'm... Yeah, you're not going to look at a line and know which, mm-hmm. which numbers from 1 to 9 aren't there. Right. Like, and that's going to be very difficult for you I to can see. Do. I mean, it's, it, I, I'm considering it a victory that I can do words with friends yeah. right now. So I'm not that kind of uh, thinker, but uh, it impresses me to see people who are because I'm like, wow, they make it look easier than you know. Yeah, it probably is. And then also Simon spends a lot of time apologizing because you know he's sitting there for literally minutes at a time, not doing actively mm-hmm. doing anything. He's like, I'm sorry. I know you guys are seeing things that I'm not seeing. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so. You know, if you like puzzles, cracking the cryptic. That's a weird. That's a weird uh, yeah. recommend. But it's alliterative. You might like it. Mm. I am. Yeah. No, we are watching the vigil next week. Okay. Uh, and until then, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email us latecomerspod at gmail dot com. You can tweet at us uh, at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook. By searching Latecomers Podcast, still no podcast page, still don't know how to do it. We'll see what happens. Uh, Until next week, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you, better late than never. never.